3: listening to the radio. It's different. Our lives are ruined already. The
4: Whistler.
1: The tape will self-destruct in five seconds.
4: Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360 will conclude the Halls of Ivy starring real-life husband and wife Ronald and Benita Coleman, then Raymond Edward Johnson stars in an international espionage adventure of Cloak and Dagger from 1950. With me, as always, is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? What's up, Carl? Are you ready for the conclusion to The Halls of Ivy? I sure am. You've I'm, been waiting. A,
3: I'm sitting here. I may I know, as well enjoy it. Bated Andrew. breath,
4: waiting <laughs> for the conclusion. Let's go back to July 5th, 1950, for Poetry Reading, the conclusion now of The Halls of Ivy. Gosh, I knocked it over again.
5: <laughs>
6: oh, come in, my dear. yeah.
7: I'm down here, Miss Hall. <laughs> I'm afraid I got ashes all over the rug. I'm trying to brush them
6: up. Oh. Yes, Vicky, you just missed a very thrilling play. Philip straight-armed the smoking stand, reversed his field, eluded the easy chair, then crashed over for a touchdown under the piano.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I wasn't here to lead the cheering section. I came in to see what coat you're going to wear today, Toddy.
6: Oh, the dark blue, I think.
5: All right. I'll get it out and give it a good brushing. We can't give the ladies a dusty prexit. Well, I'll be back in a
6: minute. <laughs> there you are, Philip. Every year she finds some excuse to whisk my coat away for a few moments.
2: This is when she puts a note in your pocket? This is it. Gee, love is wonderful. Isn't it, Dr. Hall?
6: It is, Philip. You may quote me on that. Not as the author of the statement, but as an enthusiastic endorsement.
5: Well, good
7: night, Dr. Hall, and Thanks a million. Not at
6: all, Philip. Good night. <laughs> it was a lover and his lass with a hey and a ho and a hey, nonny, no. When birds to sing hey, ding-a-ding-a-ding, with a hey and a ho, I don't know how it goes. My suit ready, Victoria. Yes. And
5: while you're changing, I'll get some tea and sandwiches ready. It won't take long. You just listen for the patter of little caraway seeds. Oh, <laughs> wonderful.
6: <laughs> well, I suppose the note is in the right-hand pocket as you... No? Where's the left one, then? Just so we don't get in a, in a rut. Hmm. Or perhaps the breast pocket. No, only the handkerchief that... That leaves the inside one, then. The old saying has it, things are always in the last place you look because after you find them you don't look anymore. (laughs) So I Well, she forgot it. This is a novelty. A professor with an absent minded wife. (laughs) Oh,
1: return to the halls, we find Dr. Hall about to leave for his annual poetry reading at the Women's Civic Reform League. But it's a disturbed Dr. Hall because Vicki has apparently forgotten her usual note of encouragement and support.
5: I'm sorry, young Phillips, broke into your time with his love problems. Oh,
6: I'm quite used to that by now, Vicky. I've spent so much time policing undergraduate affairs of the heart. I feel like a combination of Beatrice Hoover and J. Edgar Fairfax.
5: <laughs> I don't suppose you're free to tell me what it was all about. Though I don't know why a boy who wears his heart on his sleeve should object to a passer-by listening to it beat.
6: Well, it seems he was quite upset because his young lady friend failed to... No, 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 it's too inconsequential to talk about.
5: Oh, yeah, I see. The masculine code of honor. Never discuss man-to-man talk. But anyhow, it's time for you to be going. Um... What is it?
6: I, uh... I forgot what I was going to say. It's not like you. You never seem to forget anything. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> practically never, anyway.
5: Yes. Toddy, hadn't you better get started? <laughs> yes,
6: I suppose I should. Well, goodbye, Vicky.
5: Goodbye. What's the matter? Have you forgotten something?
6: No, no. I, I believe I have everything. I um, I hope I have, anyway. Uh, goodbye, darling.
5: Goodbye. <laughs>
6: Oh well.
5: Oh, Toddy.
6: Yes, Becky. What is it?
5: I almost forgot something. Yes, what is it? You have a clean handkerchief.
6: Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, Thank you. Goodbye.
8: Goodbye.
6: (laughs) Oh well. Skipper. Good afternoon, Professor Heathcliff.
9: And what poetic gem are you dishing up for the girls today, Skipper? Something I hope which will bring a tear to the eye, a throb to the chest, and a tendency to clutter up the exit as they depart.
6: <laughs> um, are you familiar with Emery Dobson's epitaph to an enervating companion?
9: Dobson? Dobson? Epitaph to a... No, Skipper. I'm afraid that one has passed me by. Have well, I...
6: I was just testing your knowledge, Heslip. I'm really doing The Eve of St. Agnes by John Keats. By request. It's not the selection I would have chosen had I been given a free hand, but with a command performance, one doesn't question the sense of the command.
9: How right you are, Skipper. How right you are. Mrs. Heslip, you know, is a moving spirit in the Ladies' Civic Reform League. A crusader. A local Joan of Arc. She hears voices. (laughs) Yours by preference, Skipper.
6: Mm, very kind of her, I'm sure. Mm, mm, very kind, very kind.
9: You appear rather more preoccupied than your attainments as a public poetry reader would seem to necessitate, Skipper. Everything well in hand? Acknowledgement of the introduction all prepared? Got the notes, the throat lozenges? Yes, I have everything, thank you,
6: Heaslip. And if there is anything which I am missing, I'm. Sure, it's nothing which should perturb an adult mind, one which refuses to make a tragedy of an incident.
9: <clears throat> I, uh,
6: don't follow you, Skipper. Uh, that's very tactful of you,
9: Heaslip. <laughs> this is my errand, and I must go it alone. Good day to you. Carry on, Skipper. Gad, yeah, what a mournful fellow.
5: <laughs> Dr. Hall? Yes? I'm Dolores Whittaker. Oh? I'm a friend of Philip. You know, the
6: move. Oh, yes, Dolores Whittaker, of course.
5: Philip told me about the talk he had with you. Thank you, Dr. Hall. Thank you so much.
6: I'm glad if I was of any help.
5: Like you said to Philip, we all have to develop a sense of perspective about these things. When two people have a real relationship, it, it's silly to be heard about little things.
6: Yes, isn't it? Quite silly.
5: It's like, well, Philip says it's like not seeing the forest for the trees. Yes.
6: I must say, Philip has an ear for a good resounding (laughs) cliché.
5: Hasn't he, though? Well, thank you again, Dr. Hall. I know Philip will always be grateful for your advice. Jiminy, when I think how a trifling little thing like that might have busted us up forever.
6: Oh, my dear, there's a remarkable thing about advice. It's like bitter medicine. So much easier to give it than to take it. And quite often the advisor should save a big, dripping spoonful of it for himself.
5: And now, ladies, our piece de resistance
8: Uh...
5: (laughs) Every year, we are honored by the presence of the president of our university Who joins with us in paying tribute to the great poets of yesterday and today Today's selection, the beautiful Eve of St. Agnes by Browning.
6: Pardon me, Keats.
5: I'm sorry. Uh, the Eve St. Agnes by Robert Keats. John. Oh, what am I thinking of? John Keats, of course.
8: <laughs>
5: it was chosen by our gracious chairwoman for 1950, Mrs. Grace. He <coughs>
8: Mrs. This is
5: But before I present this treat of the afternoon, I would like to take a few minutes to tend.
6: Say they are frightening, aren't they? And oh, 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 Vicky, I do miss your notes. It's the first time you've ever forgotten anything like that,
5: Doctor. You dropped something.
6: Uh, I beg your pardon, madam?
5: When you pulled out your handkerchief to wipe your glasses, you dropped this slip of paper. Oh,
6: uh, thank you. Thank you, madam. Th-
5: thank you, Vicky. Oh, <laughs> not Vicky, doctor. Helen. <laughs> oh, thank you,
6: Helen. Uh, madam. <laughs> Dear Toddy, do a good show. Thinking of you every minute. Bless you, Vicky. And now, back to the
5: main purpose <laughs> of this meeting, ladies. It is my great honor and pleasure. Vicky, Vicky. Oh, Toddy, you're home. How did it go? Never
6: better. I took four bows, although I may have forced the last one a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Milking it, I believe, it's called.
5: I, I doubt that very much. You probably ran off stage to screams of encore. Did you find my note?
6: Yes, my darling, I found it in my breast pocket. Between my handkerchief and my heart. But Vicky...
5: Yes, Toddy.
6: I'm glad I found it, but it didn't have to be there, you know. You're so close to me at all times that a mere note on mere paper is mere trimming. I loved it. But I love you so much more that I don't need words written or spoken. And, oh, remind me sometime to thank the Texas Moose for helping with my education. Mm -hmm. (laughs) By the way, um, do you remember your Latin...
5: Well, I can mess around with an irregular verb here and there. <laughs> so I'm afraid if Julius Caesar asked me to lunch, we'd have rather rough going. <laughs> Why? Uh,
6: how about Amo Masa Mat?
5: No, don't rush me, Julius. Uh, oh, yes. Amarmasa Matusa
6: Mant. <laughs> Splendid. Vicky, you just made a dead language. Sit up and smile. <laughs>
1: Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman. Good night, everyone. Good night. Be sure to see Ronald Coleman's latest picture, Champagne for Caesar. We'll be seeing you next week at this time at the Halls of Ivy, starring Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman. The other players were Alan Reed, Gloria McMillan, Lois Corbett, and Robert Easton. Tonight's script was written by Gene Stone, Jack Robinson, and Don Quinn. Our music was composed and conducted by Henry Russell. The Halls of Ivy was created by Don Quinn, directed by Nat Wolf, and transcribed by the Joseph Schlitz Brewing Company of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Ken Carpenter speaks. Next, hear The
4: Falcon on NBC. And that's The Halls of Ivy from July 5th, 1950, Poetry Reading, starring Ronald and Benita Coleman. Also in that cast, Ellen Reed, Gloria McMillan, and Louis Corbett, sponsored by Schlitz Beer, your favorite beverage. That and Roma Wines. You love both of those, right?
3: Right. I just can't get enough.
4: Schlitz Beer. (laughs) It's heard on NBC. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, it's Cloak and Dagger. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, this is Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club, where each month you'll receive ten of the greatest shows of all time on five CDs in a collector case. Join now and receive your first five CD collection of ten classic radio shows, regularly priced at thirty nine ninety five, for only four ninety nine. Each month I'll hand select ten more of the greatest classic radio shows of all time from my library of one hundred thousand shows and send them to you on five CDs. And I promise there'll be superior sound quality. And you'll never receive a duplicate show. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com and we'll rush you your first 5-CD collection with 10 of the greatest classic radio shows of all time for only $4.99. Your first collection will feature Abbott & Costello, Sam Spade, Dimension X, Escape, Fibber McGee & Molly, Gunsmoke, Have Gun Will Travel, Inner Sanctum, Jack Benny, and Suspense. You're going to love the Classic Radio Club. Learn how to join at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. This is Hollywood 360. want to remind all of our listeners to check out the Classic Radio Club. Join now. You should be a member. There's hundreds and hundreds of people who have been signing up since we started this club just a few weeks ago. You can join and you'll receive your first 5-CD collection of 10 classic radio shows in a collector case with copious liner notes for only four dollars and ninety nine cents. It's normally thirty nine ninety five. Who wrote the copious liner notes? I did, oh, Lisa. All right then we know how copious very they very hard on it too. I thought so. You get a really nice uh fun package sent to your home Every single month, and you'll get 10 classic radio shows, the best of the best from my library of over 100,000 episodes. I'm hand-selecting 10 shows every single month to send you on five CDs in a collector case, and I'm writing all about it. Plus, they'll be the best sound quality shows you've ever heard. All unedited, all the original commercials. It's gonna be fun, and this is gonna be a great club to join, so make sure you check it out, folks. Go to Classic Radio Club. Dot com get your first five CD collection ten shows for only four dollars and ninety nine cents normally thirty nine ninety five then every month you will get another collection for ten dollars more fourteen ninety nine remember it's still a thirty nine ninety five collection for only fourteen ninety nine month two three four five and six and you can continue as long as you want and you can cancel at any time so do check it out ClassicRadioClub.com. dot All right, time now for Cloak and Dagger. This was an espionage drama series based on the book Cloak and Dagger, the secret story of the OSS by Corey Fold and Alistair McBain. Now, the radio rendition featured fascinating stories of the Office of the Strategic Services, the precursor of our Central Intelligence Agency. In 1950, NBC decided to air a fact-based espionage anthology with willis cooper at the helm now this was broadcast from new york and featured the east coast's greatest talents including raymond edward johnson joseph julian barry kroger leon Janney, jackson back and others we have an episode for you now from may 14th 1950 this is called the trojan horse it stars raymond edward johnson here's part one of cloak and dagger
9: Are you willing to undertake a dangerous mission behind the enemy lines, knowing you may never return alive?
7: What you have just heard is the question asked during the war to agents of the OSS, ordinary citizens, who to this question answered, yes.
9: This is Cloak and Dagger.
7: Warfare, espionage, international intrigue. These are the weapons of the
1: OSS. Today's story, The Trojan Horse, is suggested by actual incidents recorded in the Washington Files of the Office of Strategic Services. A
7: story that
2: can now be told. August 1942. Report to OSS headquarters in Casablanca from Agent Henri Fontaine in France. Contact with girl Gabrielle Monet was made in the Bluebeard Cafe in Paris. I went there alone on the evening of the 15th and sent her a note with a waiter asking her to come to my table when she'd finished her song. Then I sat and waited. German officers were spread about the room as they were spread about all of occupied France. I wondered what they would say if they knew why I had come.
3: You send me this note, eh?
2: Oui, mademoiselle. Will you join me?
3: Why not? I drink with anyone these days.
2: What will you have, eh?
3: What have you? Let me taste from your glass.
2: It is very bad wine.
3: Huh? Uh, you are right. Oh, the only time a girl may get good wine nowadays is when she drinks with the Bosch. Ah, never mind. I'm not thirsty.
2: I enjoyed your song.
3: Is that what you wanted to tell me?
2: I think you are wasting your time here in Paris.
3: Ah, Paris is wasting her time on Paris these days.
2: I can offer you a better position in Casablanca.
3: What did you say? Who are you?
2: My name is Henri Fontaine. I, too, have a good position with the American OSS in North Africa. What are you saying? Before the Germans came to France, I was a poor poet. They did me a service. Now I'm a rich spy.
3: You sit here in a room full of Germans and tell me this? What makes you think I will believe you? What makes you think I won't turn you over to the Germans if I do, (laughs) eh? (laughs) huh?
2: Mademoiselle, I am not such a brave man. Neither am I a fool. We have kept you under observation for months. We know you better than you know yourself. Is there anything you'd like to know about
3: yourself? What do you want of me?
2: On our side, we have only the very best. Forgerers, counterfeiters, cutthroats, and uh, spies. (laughs) Will you join us?
3: Ah, Just tell me what you want me to do.
2: Agent Henri Fontaine in France to Agent Steve Lytel in Casablanca. Arrangements have been made to transport the girl Gabrielle Monet to the south of France and then to Casablanca. Awaiting further instructions. Over. Bonjour. Bonjour. The roses will bloom early this year, I think. Oui. But uh, not too early, I no. hope. Good. Good. I've been waiting for you. It's dark. I can't see you well. Is the girl with you? She is here. Gabby, say something so our friend will know you are here.
3: I am tired. <laughs> Did you have difficulty reaching my safe in Paris?
2: Uh, not too much. With swarms of displaced persons all over France to mingle with. And a slight bit of help along the way from the underground. It, it was not too bad. Good, good. Now follow me. I will take you to the fishing school.
3: But I... I know,
2: so... I know you're tired. Cheer up, Gabby. You'll have a nice, long trip by water to rest up.
3: Uh-huh.
2: And then another nice, long trip by auto to oh. Casablanca.
3: Oh, I like automobiles. In the old days, I liked nothing better than a, a pleasant ride.
2: But Gabi did not like the automobile trip to Casablanca. It was probably nothing like the old days. I drove up front alone while she was fitting in the trunk of the car behind gasoline drums. <laughs> there were gunny sacks in a Moroccan rug thrown over her. Across everything, a heavy canvas cover lashed down with just enough air left for her to breathe. We drove that way over rough roads for several hours. When it got dark, I pulled over to a side lane and let her out.
4: That's the first portion of Cloak and Dagger, more after these words. back to the best in classic radio on hollywood 360 now let's get back to cloak and dagger
2: Uh, Gibby, come out come out
3: oh oh my back it is broken
2: i I will gladly um, massage it for you
3: Uh, you are too kind not at all no thank you pity why did we stop
2: to give you a chance to uh, stretch your legs. And a cigarette, if oh, you want one.
3: Oh, I would die for one. Give, 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 give.
2: I have one lit here.
3: Ah. Mille merci.
2: You see? I try to be gentle.
3: Uh-huh.
2: I try to make up for the inconvenience I am causing uh, you.
3: Ah, ça c'est drôle.
2: I remember what another poet once said. A German, by the way, but uh, not a Nazi. His name was Goethe.
3: What did he say?
2: He said, be gentle with women. Remember, they were made from a broken rib.
3: <laughs> I am
2: not amused. I'm sorry.
3: You are always smiling. Do you enjoy the war, huh?
2: I am a poet. There is poetic excitement in being behind the lines, working underground. I enjoy being a spy.
3: Well, I am no matter you will do. You still have told me nothing. Why did they send for me?
2: You remember a German named Paul Vogel?
3: Paul. What do you know of him? Tell me.
2: Not now. The time is late. But I must know. Throw lo- away your cigarette. Why did you mention it? I said me- later. Uh, we have a long journey ahead. If we pass the border post, I will tell you. If we do not, <laughs> the words and minutes would only be wasted. I thought I would never reach the border. It's been a long trip. Where are you headed? Casablanca. you anything to declare? No, nothing. Let me see your passport. Here you are. All of a sudden, I spotted a small black dog sniffing and whining at the trunk of the car where Gabrielle was hidden. The customs officer had not noticed him, and I knew I had to find somewhere to keep him from noticing... Ah, one becomes stiff after so long a ride While he looked over my passport I went to the rear of the car Picked up the dog by the scruff of the neck And uh, started to pet him Well,
9: uh, your passport seems to be in order But what's the matter with Jeff?
2: (laughs) Nothing, perhaps he does not like to be picked up (laughs) No, If he did, he wouldn't try to bite you Better put him down Go back to sniffing around that trunk I felt like strangling that cute little black puppy Well, put him down I, uh, I have taken a fancy to him Um, how do you feel about selling him to me, eh? Huh? Well, I, uh, you, you are serious, monsieur? Oui, I like him Come, come, how much, eh?
0: Oh, take him, there are two more like him around somewhere uh,
2: Thank you, he will liven up the journey Wait, eh? Huh? Before you go. Yes? What is in your
0: trunk? Huh? I said, what is in your trunk?
2: Let me put the dog in the car, and then I will show you. The trunk, I will show you. You see? Gasoline drums. Yes, I see.
0: Very well. Close the trunk. I may go? Of course.
2: Thank you again for Joff. August 27th,
7: 1942. Report to OSS headquarters in Washington from Agent Steve Lytell in Casablanca. Fontaine and the girl arrived. I knew as soon as she walked in that Paul Vogel could not have forgotten her. I only hoped her memories of him weren't too strong. Now, as you know, Miss Monet, this is an international zone. We are, in effect, neutrals. In Casablanca, we pass each other in the streets. Germans, Americans, Vichy, and Free French. You can imagine what a hotbed of international intrigue we have here.
3: Oh, I, I know nothing of that kind of intrigue.
7: Then perhaps we can broaden your horizon. Hold it, Henri. Now listen to me, Yabby. The head of the German Armistice Commission in Casablanca is a man named Paul Vogel. Does that name mean anything to you?
3: We knew each other once, before the war. Knew each other? He was an attaché to the German consulate in Paris. You
7: almost married him once, isn't that so? That
3: is my business. I'm
7: afraid we've made it our business. Now, Gabby, we've kept close watch on you these past months, and we're sure that you're no Nazi or Vichy sympathizer.
3: Oh, I hate them all for what they are doing to France. But
7: Vogel, what are your feelings toward I, him?
3: I haven't seen him in years. That's
7: not answering my question.
3: If he is a Nazi, I have no feelings toward him.
7: All right, then. Now, the open secret here in North Africa is the planned American invasion. The closed secret is where and when. Now, that's what Paul Vogel wants to find out for German headquarters. I
3: still don't understand what I... You're
7: to tell him, Cherie. What? Henri's right. You're to take up this friendship with him once more. Give him all the information he wants. You'll get it direct from us.
3: What? Now, rest assured it'll be the wrong
7: information. You understand now?
3: Ah. I'm beginning to.
7: Good. We have a job for you at the Three Lanterns Cafe. Now, starting tomorrow... (laughs) Agent Henri Fontaine and I were at the Three Lanterns Cafe the next night when Gabrielle opened there. Cafe was packed. But even the crowd around the bar... Officers with ribbon chests, waterfront riffraff, and black marketeers, all of them were quiet when she sang. She was wearing a red dress. In the spotlight, her face looked smaller and whiter, and her hair looked blacker. There wasn't a man in the room who could take his eyes off her. I wondered how soon it would be before Paul Vogel came in and saw her too. Yeah, a girl like that could make you forget the war, I right, Steve. I've got a wife back in Syracuse. <laughs> I can she wear red like that?
3: My wife can be trusted. And this girl? She and Vogel were pretty
7: close in the old days. I know my own kind.
3: She can be trusted.
7: I hope you're right. The success of the whole American invasion may hinge on it. A lot
2: depends on how hard Vogel falls for that little bait up there on the bandstand. Steve, hmm? Vogel, he's just come in. That's all I wanted to see. Come on, let's get out of here. Excuse us, uh, pardon, pardon.
3: This
0: table is free, waiter. It will do. Oui, Vogel. You wish to see the wine list? Oh, I... That girl, how long has she been here? Uh, the
9: singer, you
8: mean?
0: She started only tonight. Tell her to come to this table when she's finished. You understand?
9: We <laughs> oui, I understand.
0: No, you don't. You only think you do. Go tell her what I said and bring a bottle of your best wine.
3: <laughs> uh, and I had no idea it was you, Paul, when the waiter came to me. How <laughs> like you to walk back into my life so quietly after making so violent an exit.
0: Ah, the world is small after all, Gabby.
3: I'm amazed to find you in Casablanca. I can say the same of you.
0: What are you doing here?
3: I arrived here a few days ago, but I've been in North Africa for months. Tangier, Oran, Tunis, singing. How were you able to leave France
0: uh, after the occupation?
3: You should know how well I always got along with Germans.
0: Hmm. You don't seem angry with me any longer, him. After that last time, six years ago. Uh,
3: life is too short to be angry for too long at anyone. Besides, I was a fool to have been jealous of that silly blonde with the bad legs. I've even forgotten her name.
0: Suzanne.
3: Aha! Uh-huh. I see you have not forgotten. her.
0: <laughs> you Oh, it's a wine. Gabi, how good it is to be with you again.
3: How good it is to be with you, Paul.
0: Uh, for you, for me, now. We will drink to what is to me, Liebchen. You could have no better guide through Casablanca than I, Gavi. Come, what else would you like me to buy you from the marketplace? A scarf, perhaps? A gold scarf to put around your hair, yeah.
3: Have you taken many girls to the marketplace, huh?
0: (laughs) Will you be forever jealous of me, Liebling? What is it, the French in you?
3: Ah, It is the woman in me. (laughs) I imagine you are in great demand by the women here. The chief of the German Armistice Commission.
0: How did you know that?
3: I know more than you think. Oh? Would it interest you to know the name of one of the most important American agents in North Africa? Who? Steve Lytel.
0: What do you know of him?
3: I know him. And he knows the details of the planned American invasion. Come. I will
0: buy you a gold scarf. Well,
3: have you nothing to say of what I just told you?
0: I knew that already. I, too, have agents. However, thank you for telling me. I can promise you more than a gold scarf if you find out additional information for me. Is this possible?
3: It might be. Very possible.
7: Agent Lightell in Casablanca to OSS in Washington. The girl, Gabrielle Monet, has been in the paid employ of the German government here for several weeks, according to our plan, and will transmit to them the Dakar cover project.
3: September 1942. Report to OSS headquarters from Agent Monet. I had a feeling that things were going too smoothly. I seemed to be holding my breath, waiting for something to go wrong. And on the night of the 29th, it did. Paul Vogel was in my room above the cafe. We were listening to my record of our favorite song.
8: Mm. Oh,
3: Liebling.
8: Liebling.
3: You'll have to go soon. It is late. Oh. Forget the time. Who would think it would
0: come to this
3: again?
8: Gaby?
0: After that day in Paris. Wow.
3: I remember that day. Mm-hmm. We showed poor judgment to argue out of doors. Hmm? It was raining. <laughs> I got a terrible cold in the nose. Oh, poor Gabby.
0: let me kiss that poor
3: nose. Oh, oh, mm-hmm. oh you really must go. But before you do, I I have a paper for you in my purse dates when high officials will be in casablanca Stay i'll get, a get it moment. for you i want to uh, talk to you. you you're hurting my arm let Germany me go is pa.
0: paying you well for this information you're giving us.
3: Please. some of
0: it is useful information but none of it uh, is as important as i would like
3: i will try to do better
0: you had better do better you know what would happened Gabi. If I found out you were crossing me...
3: I would not cross you. It is nothing for me to twist
0: your arm like this. Such a small arm.
3: Think what I
0: could do if I really tried to hurt you.
3: You hurt me now because you don't trust me. What do you want?
0: You claim to know this American like that. I
3: do. You
0: claim you get your information from him. Is that all he gives you? What about his love? Does he give you
3: that too? All. The shoe is on the other foot. Now it is you who are jealous. Oh, how foolish of you. Think. Would I lie to you? coming
0: Gabby. Oh, Gabby. If you ever lie to me, i I would rather see you dead at my feet than standing, looking at me, and lying. You hear what I say?
3: Yes. Yes, I hear. I hear.
0: No. No no more wine. I must keep my head clear to think of what you have just told
3: me. Now are you satisfied that I am earning my money? Mm-hmm.
0: Dakar. So the Americans will land in a few weeks at Dakar. Very likely. Very likely. Dakar is strategically important. It will be more important if the German fleet
3: is there to stop the invasion. Ah,
0: yeah. That bungled attempt at a landing under de Gaulle's leadership failed... So the Americans probably figure we would not dream that they would try it again in the same place.
3: <laughs> One American, Steve Lytell, does not dream you know all this. Mm-hmm. Are you going to tell German headquarters?
0: But of course. This is something they will want to know.
3: He believes it, Steve. Every word of it. Good. The German fleet is being sent to stop the invasion at Dakar.
2: Good, Gabby. Good work. Steve. Radio report, just in from Gibraltar. What is it? No, 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 let me tell it, Geoff. General Clark will rendezvous on October 21st at Point Agreed near Algiers. You know
7: what that means? Final preparations for the Iran invasion. Nothing must go
3: wrong now, nothing. November 4, 1942. Something very wrong happened. Paul came to my room just before I was ready to go downstairs to the cafe. Paul!
0: Gabi, your friend, Lytel, has been playing you for a fool. Uh, Do you hear what I say? I don't understand. The invasion is not the car. I just learned myself it's to be Oran. Oran! The German fleet, on my suggestion, is waiting in Dakar for Paul, nothing. Paul. And will continue to wait Paul, for nothing. Paul, it can't be. Do you know be. what this will mean to me? Do you realize what the high command will do to me for please, this?
3: Please, please, Paul. Perhaps, perhaps your latest information was wrong about Oran.
0: No, 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 no. It all ties in. They, the Americans, wanted me to believe... The... Gabi, what had you to do with this?
3: Now what are you saying? I'm getting tired of your suspicions. One day you trust me, the next day you don't. You're French?
0: What kind of French?
3: Instead of questions, ask yourself this. Would I betray you, Paul? Not Germany, but you think. Look at me. Look at your Gabby and answer,
8: I... I...
0: No, of course not. Not you. You wouldn't dare. There may still be time to stop the Americans at Oran. I must get back to headquarters and let them know by radio. I should have done that right away instead of coming here. Oh,
3: have a drink first. No, no, uh,
0: later. I'll be back. It will not
3: be easy for you to tell the high command this. A drink will fortify you.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes. Perhaps. Perhaps you're right. One drink, then.
3: Paul sat mm. on the edge of the couch, his head in his hands. I remember thinking how very blonde was his hair, how large his eyes. It was not difficult well, for yes. me to drop half the L tablet from my purse into his glass as I poured the Go liquor over please,
0: it.
3: Hurry, oh. here you are Poor Paul Pauvre Petit. <sighs> See, you right. look so tired. Drink. Where are you going? To put on the record you like. we played it so often lately, Paul, that one of these days it will just rise up in protest. You're tired? Uh. No. No, why should I be tired?
0: I must. go oh, no. I've had my drink. Hear
3: my record through. Then you will go. No. No, now.
0: I must.
8: go. Oh, no. Oh, You're so good to me, You love me You love
3: me very much His head had fallen on his arms And rested on the table The tablet had begun to work As I knew it would I got the automatic pistol That had been given to me by the Americans And Shot him twice Through his very blonde head Mon amour, bon amour, Report bon amour, from Agent Gabriel bon Monet.
7: Mon amour, bon amour, bon amour, Well, it ought to come any minute now, news of the invasion. I've had word that Eisenhower and Clark were in Gibraltar on November the 8th. I'll let you both know as soon as something comes
2: through on the radio. Are you alright, Bimmy?
3: Me? Don't concern yourself.
2: You did what you had to do. It took courage.
3: If I had thought about it longer, perhaps I would not have had the courage. You cannot know. I think I do. He meant a great deal to me. A long time ago. I killed him.
2: Listen to me. I told you something once that the poet Goethe said. He also said this. Give up what perished long ago. And let us love what's living. Do you hear, Gabby? Do you hear? Écoutez, écoutez. Yankee, Franklin, Midway, Lincoln, Robert,
7: Harry. Robert, Harry. That's it, the code name. Robert's arrived. The invasion's begun. Do you
2: hear? Did you hear, Gabby? Did you?
7: Yes. Yes, yes,
8: I am.
7: Once again, the report of an OSS agent is closed with the words... Mission accomplished. A further adventure in black warfare is next week's... Cloak
1: and Dagger. Heard in today's story were Jane White, Barry Kruger, Leon Janney, Joseph Julian, Carl Weber, Raymond Edward Johnson, Guy Sorrell, and Bernie Gould. Script was by Winifred Wolf. Music under the direction of John Garth. Today's true OSS adventure was based on the book Cloak and Dagger by Corey Ford and Alistair McBain. This has been a Lewis G. Cowan production under the supervision and direction of Sherman Marks. Stay tuned for the second big mystery, High Adventure,
4: on NBC. Music And that's Cloak and Dagger from May 14, 1950, with Trojan Horse, starring Raymond Edward Johnson, as heard on NBC. Let's take a quick break, then it's more of Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, this is Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club, where each month you'll receive ten of the greatest shows of all time on five CDs in a collector case. Join now and receive your first five-CD collection of ten classic radio shows, regularly priced at $39.95 for only $4.99. Each month I'll hand-select ten more of the greatest classic radio shows of all time from my library of 100,000 shows and send them to you on five CDs. And I promise there'll be superior sound quality and you'll never receive a duplicate show. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com and we'll rush you your first 5-CD collection with 10 of the greatest classic radio shows of all time for only $4.99. Your first collection will feature Abbott & Costello, Sam Spade, Dimension X, Escape, Fibber McGee & Molly, Gunsmoke, Half Gun Will Travel, Inner Sanctum, Jack Benny, and Suspense. You're going to love the Classic Radio Club. Learn how to join at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. Now back to the
0: best in classic radio on Hollywood 360.
4: Next week, it's The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, The Harold Lloyd Comedy Theater, The Green Hornet, I Was a Communist for the FBI, The Adventures of Maisie, and The Shadow. From my team here at Hollywood 360, thank you all very much for tuning in. Stay safe. We'll see you next time.